Listen in as we talk about how to build a sustainable youth ministry. All this and more on Youth and Culture. Hey guys, I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I want to thank you for making this podcast a part of your day today. Uh, We are on episode 22, and I'm really excited about the person we're going to be interviewing today. Um, He is someone who has impacted my life and my ministry over the years through his resources and books, and that person is Mark Devries. Before we go deeper into that, let's take a pause and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Covenize, and start protecting your home today. A few years ago in my ministry, I was struggling how to juggle ministry and family and everything that I was doing. And it was a period of time where I was almost being burned out when it comes to doing ministry. I was spending time with a teenager, either me or my wife, about five to six nights a week. So we hardly ever spent time as a family uh, during the week. And I remember just being so frustrated, almost burned out, that I came across um, a book that was recommended to me by a friend called uh, Sustainable Youth Ministry. And I remember reading this book, and it completely changed my whole entire philosophy of how to do ministry, completely changed everything and implemented it in my ministry, still doing it today. Again, what I'm doing is not perfect. Uh, but I'm moving more and more of having a ministry that's sustainable and that does not revolve around me. So I'm really excited to have the opportunity to talk to Mark DeVries, specifically in, in order to how to build a better, sustainable youth ministry. So stay tuned as we talk with Mark DeVries. guys, I am super excited today. I get to uh, have the privilege of talking to Mark DeVries. Uh, Mark, it, I've, I've enjoyed uh, reading his, his material, his books, and through 
uh, youth ministry architects and all that material over the years has really benefited me in my ministry. So I'm really excited to be talking with him uh, today. So Mark, how about you, uh, for those of you who may be listening, don't know who Mark is, uh, how about you introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about your journey in ministry and, uh, and youth ministry and kind of where you are today? Great. Thanks. Well, um, you know, I think my, uh, sort of my, uh, the thing that I, I love to lead with in these conversations is that I, I got to serve one church as the youth pastor for 28 years. And uh, so by the time I got uh, to the point that I left in 2014, the parents of the kids in my youth group had been kids in my youth group. (laughs) Um, And so just, you know, being able to watch, you know, generations grow up and, um, and, and actually, you know, be able to observe my own family growing up and me growing up in all kinds of different ways. Um, is it's a little different than sort of having one year of experience in a lot of different places, having to you know be able to walk that thing. So, so First Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, I got to serve there for 28 years, and halfway into that, um, uh, really came to a point of some pretty significant burnout, and uh, and so I you know went to did a, a you know a number of sort of spiritual direction things one of which was to go to see Dan Webster uh who was the he had been like the first youth director at Willow Creek back in the day when Willow Creek was just a baby uh with, he only had 1500 kids in his youth group um but uh but Dan uh Dan does this life planning stuff so I got to go see Dan and he walked me through a process of discerning next chapters and what ultimately sort of rolled out of that was um, what is now called Ministry Architects. Um, uh, and so, so that's where I spend sort of my full-time energy today. But that's kind of been my journey in, in youth ministry. Um, for, for those who, uh, again, who may not be familiar what uh, Ministry Architects is, can you kind of explain uh, what your role is uh, with Ministry Architects and maybe uh, describe a little bit of what it is? You bet. Sure. So um, uh, we work with churches and nonprofits and schools, any sort of ministry that finds themselves at a stuck place. Um, Sometimes they are stuck because, um, you know, they've just been trying the same thing over and over again, can't seem to get out of it. Um, Other times they're stuck because they have an opportunity in front of them and they don't quite know you know, how to move forward. So for example, we had a church call us and say, Hey, somebody just died and left us $2 million for the youth ministry. Can you help us uh, figure out what to do with that? (laughs) And, you know, amazingly we said, yes, we can do that. Uh, But, you know, typically in in youth ministry, a church will have tried, you know, a series of, of, um, of hires that just haven't worked out two or three in a row. And, uh, and so a lot of times what churches do is they're looking for the superstar to come in and solve all their problem. And they, as soon as that person comes in, everything's dumped on that person's shoulders. And it's often really hard for them to succeed. So um, what we do, uh, you know, in that kind of environment is we help just build the fundamental infrastructure um, to help. You know, we say we build the dance floor before you hire the dancer. And uh, so that's that's been um you know, although we do a lot of different things with a lot of different organizations depending on their needs, 
in youth ministry, it, it typically um, it typically is around helping build a solid, vital uh, youth ministry, and and that process can take eighteen months to three years um, because culture change didn't that doesn't happen because you bring in one new person. No, exactly. So uh, what I want to kind of talk to you about uh, today is uh, is a subject that I feel like uh, when I hear your name, the subject that immediately comes to mind because uh, you wrote an entire book on it, and that is uh, sustainable youth ministry and what it, how to build a sustainable youth ministry. So uh, what are can, pertaining to that? What what are some main factors? in order to have a sustainable youth ministry? Great question, Ryan. Well, um, you know, again, the, the, the place we start is where we started before. Um, and that is most churches feel like they can find a singular, singular solution to whatever their problem is. So we don't have enough kids. I know, let's get a new website. Or kids aren't coming to worship, so let's get a guitar or, you know, whatever sort of these simple singular solutions. Um, and, and our experience is that what, what changes a culture, what changes a ministry is not when we come up with a single solu- solution or a single individual, but where we, we build the component parts and then let them to start work together. So, you know, for example, the body is a system of systems. So we got 13 or 14 systems in the body, respiratory system, digestive system, you know, all these systems that work together. Now, if one of them is not working, it, it can wreck your whole life. <laughs> like if you break your pinky and your fingers going this way, it, that's going to control everything about you. But the, the whole idea is you want to keep all of those systems hung, uh, sort of functioning in a healthy way. And, uh, and most, most youth workers know how to lead programs. They know how to build relationships but they don't know how to build the sort of foundational system. So, you know, it's very common for a youth worker to say, well, listen, I don't do administration. Well, <laughs> if you don't want to do any administration, you don't want to do any organization, you, you probably should be a volunteer because our job as, as youth staff people is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So things like database and things like, you know, figuring out what our, our, our communication strategy is and what, what's our social media platform. It it's, we're really talking about the difference between working on our ministry or working in our ministry. And most youth workers are quite proficient at working in their youth ministry, but that is a way to, if that's all we do, we, we, our, our influence shrinks and narrows. And if we want to build a larger platform, if we want to scale our ministry, we've got to build this larger uh, system. Now, um, I have a, sometimes because that's, that's a little bit abstract, I have a document called the 17 Essential Systems, uh, which I'd be happy to send to any, you know, any of your listeners that want them, or I can send it to you and you can send it out. Uh, but basically, I just try to summarize, you, you want to make sure these systems are in place. Make sure you're taking care of your digestive system and your skeletal system and your muscular system. They all got to be working. Uh, and a lot of times we'll just focus on the pinky and the pain that's there rather than taking care of the whole system. So our, our mission statement as an organization is healthy systems, innovative change for the future of the church. 
uh, and we can talk about innovative change a bit more. But but basically, we talk about sustainable youth ministry. We we actually just came out with sustainable young adult ministry. We've got a book called Sustainable Children's Ministry. The applications are about eighty percent the same, right? Um, but yeah, that's that. Hopefully, that gives you a, a little something to get started with. No, no, absolutely. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I have my bubble for as ministry wise. But when it comes to everything being focused on a superstar, um, I feel like I see that more uh, specifically for youth pastors uh, than I do in other pastoral roles. Uh, do you yeah. see that as the case as well? Absolutely. You know, in fact, we, the, the comparable metaphor in children's ministry, uh, we use the metaphor of the workhorse in children's ministry because it's actually different. I mean, in, in youth ministry, the typical successful youth ministry, and I'll put quotation marks around that, the typical successful youth minister is this magnetic kid magnet. They, you know, they, they're really interesting speakers. They've got, you know, all of the, all the charisma to attract people to themselves. And a lot of times those people use what they'll say is I'm all about relationships. And what they mean is I'm all about kids having relationships with me, not about cultivating relationships with lots of godly adults. Right. And uh, so that becomes the typical model for uh, a successful youth ministry. And a lot of times churches were, are looking exactly for that. Now, somebody with those gifts can learn to build a dance floor and be a, a catalytic leader in a beautiful way. But if they don't, they're going to expand and blow up. up they're going to expand a ministry. They're going to inflate a ministry. And then as soon as they're gone, it'll just go right away. So that's, that's the... Uh, the what we see in, in a children's ministry, it's the typical children's ministry is a mom who was an Uber volunteer. The church said, Hey, how about we pay you for 10 hours a week? How about we pay you 20 hours a week? And their favorite watchword is, It's just easier for me to do it myself. Why should I <laughs> try to delegate? It's too hard. People are busy. I'll just do it myself. So they become sort of this overworked workhorse. Um, but though, yeah, there's that's. It's definitely a, a different, you know, sometimes senior pastors have that superstar mentality as well. A church says, hey, if we can just find the superstar pastor, our church is going to be fine. But I think uh, youth ministry and senior pastors have uh, tend to have that in common in ways that none of the other typical positions at churches do. Yeah, for, for what I've seen, uh, friends in ministry, I probably agree the same as well. I, th- I feel like uh, I, got, I even have a, a, a ministry friend who is, and at a church, he's no longer there now, but uh, they basically uh, gave him an automatum that you have to grow the ministry to this point. If you don't do it, uh, we're recommending your resignation. Uh, so it's almost like because they had the belief that to what will grow the church, because the, the church as a whole was dying. The congregation was dying. Uh, but they, they had this belief that what would grow the church uh, is the student ministry. And, and it's in reality, it's reverse. Uh, what, grow, what grows a student ministry is the families coming on a given Sunday. Um, so in, anyway, so I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure in that realm uh, with youth pastors 
and, and senior pastors, there's some pressure there as well uh, that I don't see in, in other roles. Um, one other thing that uh, kind of it's kind of connected to a lot of with the sustainable youth ministry, but one thing I think as well that for me personally, and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, I feel like would, would help would build a sustainable youth ministry that is not always focused on is discipleship of parents uh, because there's a lack of discipleship among students that is connected to a lack of discipleship among among the parents and because in, in, in reality if you study church history youth ministry is a fairly new thing right. having having a youth pastor youth ministry is a, is a fairly uh, new thing that our culture has produced a need for uh, and, and again, that's just, just that's, I believe it stems to the gradual decline in discipleship uh, within the home. Um, do, you, do you see some of that correlation as well when it comes to building a sustainable youth ministry? Absolutely, sure. So um, let, me, let me just go back to your, your image of the church that was looking for their youth pastor to grow the church and then bring me back to family ministry. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's important for youth pastors to realize that at some point, especially if they're new into a full-time position or a brand new position that didn't exist before, at some point, the leadership of the church said, are we going to bet on youth ministry? And they said, are we going to put our money on youth ministry as a way to keep our church alive and healthy, right? And um, I don't know that there's, um, cause a lot of times what they're saying is, uh, we know we've got to grow. This is our strategy. Yeah. One strategy to do that is, is by youth ministry and have a youth ministry, bring in new families, have a children's ministry, bring in new families. The problem I have is not that expectation. The problem I have is that expectation being assumed and not spoken, right? Cause they, the church is making a bet. They're going to say, we're going to dip into our endowment to pay for youth ministry because we believe it's going to produce. <clears throat> and if they are clear about that on the front end, I think that's a fair expectation to say, you know, just like a nonprofit would say, listen, if you can get us to a sustainable place financially in a year, you'll have a job. But if you don't, we can't uh, just, we just can't pull it off. It, it's not from my perspective, Ryan, it's not so much the, um, the expectation of growth, especially when churches are putting new money into youth ministry, it is the the hidden expectation of growth. And then, oh yes, yeah, surprise, we're about to put you on probation, right? Um, I'll, I'll let you react to that if you want to react to that before we no, go to no, family that, ministry. Th no, that makes that makes that makes totally sense. Um, and I guess in and someone there is a difference. And I do agree that if, if you. Like for instance, if, if you came to me giving me that expectation and I look across uh, the congregation as a whole and it's, and it's dying and understanding that, yes, I can grow, but I can maybe be able to grow in ministry, but I'm not sure if I can sustain it, uh, the growth based because of there's, the congregation is dying. So if I was told that the front end, if, if I was put in that situation, I would say, I'll evaluate it and say, I don't think that's a good, I'm a good fit for right. it. Uh, right. But I do agree that that a lot of churches, uh, based off of uh, people who've connected with me and, and and gone through this pro similar things uh, within their ministries, uh, it's not really spoken up front. 
It's right. spoken after the fact. Right. But we should all be aware that, especially if they're putting new money in, they are expecting, they're expecting growth. And, um, and if, if that's, if that's what folks are expecting and we're saying, you know, I'm going to go deep. I'm not going to go wide. Don't expect me to bring any new, new people or new families in. We just ought to be, you know, as youth workers, when we're in the interview process, we ought to say, don't look to me for growth. I'm going to take people deep. That's great. And then the church can decide. A lot of times I think, you know, as youth workers, we sort of want to get the job. So we'll, we won't bring that up. And then we're going to get resentful when they have that expectation. So I think the transparency really is we're responsible on both sides for that. No, I absolutely agree. And that's uh, uh, one, one tip I tell a lot of people when it comes to interviewing at churches is that, yeah, yes, the church is interviewing you, but you also need to be interviewing the church at the same time to make sure that this is really the best overall fit for you and your, and your family, if you have a family. Um, so you really need to be asking really good questions. And, and but that actually is a question I never thought of, but that's actually a great question to ask is, is what your definition of success is. Um, to, typically uh, in relation to numbers or uh, depth and discipleship, what is your definition of success? So Ryan, to put a little finer point on it, I would say when we're in the interview process, um, we could say, okay, let's suppose I've been here two years and we're discipling kids, parents are happy, we are uh, communicating well, we have great solid programming, um, but we haven't, we haven't engaged a single new family or a single new youth. Um, how are you going to feel about me? And that, <laughs> I think that'll give, that'll give some uh, pretty clear feedback and, and sort of force the, um, force the search committee to be honest about what they're really looking for. No, I, I absolutely agree. I actually agree with that. I think, I do think you just gotta be, you got to, to ask pretty much concrete one answers, be very specific um, in an interview process. So I definitely agree with that. Uh, now, before we, before we uh, get too in depth in this, because we I believe we can keep on uh, discussing and really get in depth with this because it's really <laughs> a hot topic. We really can spend probably four, uh, a whole entire uh, podcast specifically on that because it's such a big topic. Uh, but I want to I want to kind of twist around and go back to the uh, specifically the family ministry aspect um, of sustainable youth ministry. Uh, do you, uh, do you feel like that, or is making sure that parents would be discipled uh, ultimately? To me, it seems even more not more important, but it should be one of the top priorities when it comes to building sustainable youth ministry. Uh, do you see that uh, as well in your experience? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, back in 1994, which was a few years ago, um, I wrote a book called Family-Based Youth Ministry, uh, which really uh, intuited there wasn't a ton of research at that time, uh, but the research we did have really pointed to, you know, the really the undeniable power of the family. Um, of course, the National Study of New Youth and Religion and the Fuller Youth Institute, the Sticky Faith Research, all of that has just uh, 
have, has affirmed that nothing uh, contributes to the long-term faith formation of young people quite like their families, like their parents. Now, the, the, the interesting thing, though, is when you do longitudinal studies beyond youth ministry, and if our goal is not just to have uh, mature Christian teenagers, but mature Christian adults, uh, the family, the nuclear family, the moms and dads, are not always the number one predictor of lifelong faith maturity. Um, is, I hope that makes sense. So if we want to produce mature Christian teenagers, lean heavily on parents. If we want to produce mature Christian adults, we are not as dependent on parents to produce mature Christian adults. So, you know, this conversation, you know, essentially we've, uh, this whole field of family ministry, um, we, uh, it, it runs off in these independent strands. So some people say, listen, it's the parent's responsibility. This just needs to be home-based youth ministry and the church will support what they're doing in the home. Other people will say, no, it needs to be entirely church-based, just traditional youth ministry. The parents are a distraction. You know, other people would say, no, it's about the, the godly adults in the church that we're connecting kids to. And, and others would say, no, it's about training kids to reach out and build this constellation of relationships. And my response is, yes. <laughs> all of those, all so, of those yeah, need to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. You um, have to have all aspects of that because here's the thing the most and you would agree with this too that you have parents that are more involved spiritually with their kids and then you have parents that don't and then you have kids that don't have uh mother and father figures at all so you do have to have a healthy balance of both i don't think you need to be solely concentrated on one or the other right right so our, our leaning in family ministry has been what what I try to say to youth workers is, yes, you need to do things to support and empower your parents, but don't get too crazy. Start with learn the names of your parents, right? <laughs> a lot of, a lot of times we're trying to create these big, uh, massive programs to get parents to come to when we don't know the parents. So just like we would, we wouldn't do that in youth ministry. We shouldn't do it in parent ministry. So we got to start by knowing the names of parents, find out what their needs are, step in the gap for them, and support them. Um, so we ought to have parent ministry. Parents ought to own the discipleship of their kids. The church needs to fulfill its, its typically churches take vows for their children when they come into the life of the church. The church needs to own it. Kids need to own it. The youth worker needs to own it. Uh, my, my, my warning, though, is that a lot of times youth workers will use the excuse of, well, you can't expect me to disciple these kids when their parents are so messed up. And I think that's a waste of time. Um, our call is to disciple the kids, regardless of what their parents are doing, and to create this beautiful constellation of relationships that's not dependent on us, not solely dependent on parents, where they are in an ecosystem that actually helps them grow as lifelong disciples. No, I, no, I absolutely agree. Um, we kind of we kind of hit on some of this uh, throughout our conversation, but I really wanted to ask uh, in in your experience, what, what is a common mistake uh, that youth pastors, youth workers uh, fall into uh, that prevents a sustainable youth ministry? 
Well, it's it's really an interesting and delicate balance. Um, because I think the, the biggest mistake that came to my mind as you raised that was a youth workers who build the entire program around themselves. Um, and when we see a youth pastor who's built a ministry around themselves, and you know, you, you know they've done it because when they leave, the whole thing falls apart like a house of cards. Um, now, a lot of times the very people who are building a youth ministry around themselves are the ones um, who are complaining that other people are not helping, <laughs> right? Uh, and so the biggest mistake is that we stay stuck in the ministry and we don't work on the ministry. We're not taking a step back and saying, okay, what do I do ne- need to do to cultivate volunteers? What do I need to do to engage parents? What do I need to do to reach out to the kids who have been here once in the last year, but not, not anymore? Where, what am I doing to make a database that allows me to communicate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that our, our biggest mistake is that we, we are just, we're just reactionary uh, animals <laughs> and we're responding to stimulus. So the typical youth worker, they'll wander into the office. The first thing they do is fire up their computer. And as soon as they fire up their computer, they look at their email and they let somebody else set the agenda for their day or they look at their text messages. And as opposed to saying, I got to get a handle on what matters most and work on this ministry. Uh, most of us are just in that immediate reactivity uh, that that really tends to not produce much other than other than a lot of busyness. No, I agree. That's uh, that's a, probably a problem I had early on uh, in in my ministry as well. And one thing I learned to do from very godly uh, wisdom of other people is is kind of building a structure of what my day every day is going to look like and prioritizing. Uh, each thing each day. So I, I do agree with that. That, And, and again, the, one of the assumptions that you made, uh, one of the things you said earlier is a common assumption uh, among youth pastors because it's, it's fairly common uh, from what I've seen is that uh, a lot of youth pastors aren't administrative minded. Uh, they don't have... We didn't get into it to do administration. Yes. And, but in reality doing any type of any type of job uh whether it's ministry uh secular job uh that's a career uh you're going to have administrative things you got to do it's just part of life um so but that i think one of the downfall one of the things that uh again you can you can talk of some of it may be from lack of education um not being taught this, uh, these type of things that you're going to have to be doing youth ministry and, and all this, all these things. So, uh, so I think because of that mentality of, of not think, not being administrative minded, it kind of seeps in and causes to, to basically not have a structure of our day, not prioritizing and it kind of seeps into all those aspects because a lot of those things is administrative, being administrative minded, uh, of planning things, things out. So I, I and you know another way to say it might be leadership. Yes. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, you know we think we can do leadership without without having to tend to the detail. And the truth is, if you're going to build an organization, which is whatever youth pastor needs to do, they've got to exercise leadership, which means attention to detail. No, I absolutely agree. And and what one thing that 
and that's kind of seeps into the next next thing I wanted to ask you is sometimes I think I think from what I've seen in, in my experience again my experience is limited uh, but what I've seen is that sometimes uh, this expect you have the the one youth pastor trying to do everything but sometimes you have the expectation of a church that the youth pastor should do everything and that kind of seeps in the next thing I want to ask you is what is a common mistake that churches make? to prevent a sustainable youth ministry. So we talked about specifically youth pastor, but now I want to kind of focus in on what, what a, the average church does as a whole. Yeah, I, I do think um, the, the regulator for um, youth pastors determining what they can and can't do is the youth pastor, um, not the church. Uh, the <laughs> what we can expect in almost every church is they will pile on more. Anytime somebody's effective, they're going to be, they're going to, they're going to have more work, more responsibility placed on them all the time. And that's why this proactive leadership is so important because the youth worker has got to say, okay, given everything that's in front of me, I can't say yes to all of it. What, what are my priorities and how do I go negotiate that with my bosses? And instead, what youth pastors tend to do is just complain about they keep putting all this stuff on me. Uh, I'm just, just saying we, we've got the power to do the negotiating, to do the clarifying. Uh, but often, instead of doing that, we fall back into a position of uh, of just sort of passively complaining and then not really delivering on everything that's on our plate. That's, a, that's actually a great point um, for us uh, is that the, uh, the ability to say no um, is so important have, and being willing. It's, it's, a, it's a leadership skill as well. We fall back into that, uh, that realm because you got to know uh, when, uh, when to say no. If you can't say no, you're going to easily burn out. Well, it's, it, I would frame it a little bit differently, Ryan. I would say it's the ability to say yes <laughs> appropriately. This I can say yes to with 100%, uh, which means we've got to go back to, because sometimes we can't say no. You can't say to your boss, nope, can't do that. And your boss will say, no, sorry, I'm your boss. You're going to do that. So what we've got to do is take that step back and say, I want to say a wholehearted yes to this. And um, Pastor John, what I'm able to do is, uh, I think I can really deliver for you on this, but I don't think I can do that and this. But if you want me to shift my priorities, I'm happy to shift my priorities. Um, but it's, uh, I, I like to always lead with the yes, what we can do, and not talk much about what we can't do. We just want to say, I want to, I want to do everything you want me to do, I just don't think I can deliver on all of that in the way you want me to. Uh, and so I'm, I, I would recommend this set of priorities, but I'll take, I'll change it if you want me to. No, that's absolutely, that's some, that's some, a very, some very valuable wisdom, um, which in, again, as we're talking, there's, uh, as we've been talking today, there's some things I even evaluating myself, um, some things I have to make sure that I keep in check. Uh, person as well it, and it's it's sure. yeah it's easy for all of us to fall into especially ministry um it's just easy to fall into um a, a rut of a negativity 
uh, which goes. Yeah. The victim mentality. Yes. Yeah. And it's very easy to fall in, into this, into that rut because it, to be honest with you, you're, you're working with people uh, and that's part of your job and people are hard. Um, they're just hard to deal with people. <laughs> uh, you're dealing with. <laughs> Hashtag yes, people just, are hard. Uh, it's just it's just it's, it's just the way the way the way it is because we're sinful sinful human beings uh and you're gonna be dealing with people who are selfish uh just as 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 you yourself i'm selfish and i deal with pride and that seeps out uh from my conversations sometimes and my attitude and seeps into my job and my ministry sometimes because we're not we're not perfect uh we we all struggle with sin and because it make it makes it can create a a negative mentality if you don't keep it in check of complaining and not seeing the positive and how God is working we all, we naturally want to hone in on what's not working and instead of taking responsibility and ownership of that and we kind of want to pass it off as pass the blame game so so again, it's valuable wisdom uh, what you've shared with us with us today. So I, w- I just want to thank you for uh, just coming out and just giving us some of this aspect of sustainable youth ministry because I feel like that it's so important and a lot of times overlooked um, among uh, specifically uh, youth ministry because we, again we live in a world uh, a lot of youth, youth churches and youth ministries live in a world of wanting to do it all and revolve all revolving around yourself. Uh, now, for those of those of who want to get connected with you, either to ask you, talk you more about uh, sustainable youth ministry, or talk more about ministry architects, uh, what what is the best way to get in contact with you? So many options. Um, the easiest way is just a phone call. My my cell number six one five four two four two three zero four, or email is great. Uh, mark at ministryarchitects.com. Um, or if you just want to check out the stuff we're, we're messing with these days, uh, uh, ministryarchitects.com is our website. Uh, we're also, we didn't get to talk much about, uh, you know, ministry innovation and that whole world. But uh, Kenda Dean and I uh, have a, a little company called Ministry Incubators, which is really leaning into the sort of missional entrepreneurship that churches are exploring on the innovative edges. Um, and uh, so if you're interested in that conversation, you can go to ministryincubators.com uh, and see what we're up to over there. Well, Mark, I want to thank you very much for coming out of the podcast and just sharing your heart and how we could be more effective and building a ministry uh, that's sustainable and, and just not revolving around yourself and also living, living healthy. As, as youth ministers as well. So I do want to thank you for your time and coming on the podcast today. Thanks for letting me be with you. One thing that I personally took from this interview is learning how to properly say yes. I thought that was phenomenal wisdom from Mark. Um, typically, what I've been told over the years is the ability to say no uh, but I believe after talking to Mark and is that the ability to say yes and say yes properly is more important and more essential. So that's personally what I took away from this interview. And I'm really thankful for what um, Mark is doing 
uh, with his resources and his books to better equip and train other youth pastors and youth leaders to be more successful in their ministries. Again, you don't want to miss next week. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, a topic that I wanted to cover in September, uh, but everyone has been talking about this topic in September, so I thought I would wait a little bit uh, before I posted this interview. And we're actually going to be talking about uh, how to better minister to kids who are dealing with suicide and talking about suicide prevention within youth ministry. So I'm really excited about next week's episode and talking about this topic, the extremely important topic that all of us, one form or fashion, deal with when it comes to students. Again, stay tuned for next week's episode.